0: On the Lolligaggers podcast, we firmly disapprove of all April Fool's jokes, both those in-season and especially those out-of-season. In this episode, Justin offers a rundown of BlizzCon news and notes, while Jeff gets exhausted by a deluge of board game Kickstarters. Both Lolligaggers then break down Amazon's new TV series, Homecoming, before ending with the Gentleman's Challenge. All right, welcome to episode number 32 of the Lolly Geigers Podcast, a show about all sorts of different things from games to comics, movies to TV. I am one of your hosts, Jeff. I'm the one, Justin. What's up, man? Oh, oh, nothing. I'm, uh, I'm kind of raging right now. Uh, I'm, a little, I'm a little salty from this little war game my wife and I were just finished playing. Uh, You're at uh, war I'll, with I'll, your wife? Yeah, we're at war. Uh, I'm amazed. I'll talk about it in a minute when I get to like my Kickstarter roundup. But uh, But yeah, we were just playing a war game. And uh, it like I was was crushing, and then like it kind of like bogged down at the end, and we ended up drawn. I'm so mad! Like what? The, who, what the, what the is, table? What? What is this? What is this? Soccer? Like there's no draws. What, what the, is this?
1: A Browns game? What is
0: this? <laughs> that's true. That's true. So what's up with you? Uh, nothing much other than
1: uh, horrific things happening at my school. Really, but uh, not podcast appropriate. Yes, not yeah. podcast appropriate. I did. Uh. There's a bunch of juicy stuff that happened this weekend because this weekend is a BlizzCon. So yeah, uh, I know. I, I really always I always kind of contemplate should I get the ticket, but then it's always on YouTube, so I don't.
0: Um, so is this some sort of like out of season April Fool's joke? Is that what's? Uh, yeah, what? we're about to talk about that. <laughs> that stuff's so funny. Oh my god. So uh, so overall, the recap was this:
1: um, if we go to uh, Overwatch, Overwatch has a new character named Ash. She's a damage dealer. She has a rifle. And dynamite explosives, and her ultimate is a giant uh, robot bodyguard, yeah. which everyone wants to be the character, anyways. Like they want it to be, it's They'd like think have of the
0: robot than the
1: yeah. yeah. It's, it's big zinata with robot, uh, like with arm cannons and a bowler right. hat and a handlebar mustache. was pretty solid.
0: I um, saw on the battle right in the battle right subreddit that people were saying that the uh, that the art, I guess, like looked a lot like one of their their champs. I have no idea if it's true. Uh, I'm not an expert on battle. Stuff, but anyway, yeah, I saw some of the, I saw some of the picks. looks pretty interesting. I really, playing uh, which is
1: anymore, interesting but... character. Like uh, Ruben's super excited about it. Cause it's now he's going from a six shooter to a rifle. So, cause he's all about, I mm-hmm.
0: agree. Uh, sure. uh,
1: next Hearthstone has a new uh, set coming out called Raskans rumble, which is about like, uh, remember the arena in uh, what's the Stranglethorn Vale? The That's big Southern short. one yeah yeah, those, yeah, yeah. yeah. So like what it is is like it's going back in time back to the glory days of when that thing was used as a uh an arena to
0: actually fight for is uh, it gonna have like like Bruce Springsteen, like glory days is like, yeah, glory days yeah uh, yeah mm-hmm. uh it's
1: got a new keyword type called overkill where you can attack multiple times in one round, which is interesting.
0: And, uh, do you still play Hearthstone? Because I know you've been playing Magic the Gathering. I arena don't. A lot, I, so. It's
1: so hard for me to get involved in multiple card games. I just I can't do it.
0: I don't it's know really it hard for me to get involved in one. Like yeah, I, I I've been wanting to do. Like I like ever since you told me about Magic the Gathering in the arena, and I just since you're a big Magic player, I kind of want to get into it. But it's like. It feels like such a big hurdle to kind of get going on it. Yeah, know, you know what I mean. It's like I just—I uh, know that.
1: Like I've been playing with—I'm talking with Logan about it, and he—he he got into it. It took him a little bit to get into it, but he got into it, and it's fun to talk to him about. Yeah. It, but it is a bit of a hurdle.
0: I talked to him, and he said that like he was into it, but then like it dropped out of beta or something, and then yeah, he lost all his reason. cards, and so he was sort of slow getting back into it again. So yeah, he's he's, he's
1: slowly getting back into it now. Um, next, Heroes of the Storm has a new character, Orphea. She is the uh, like the daughter of the Raven Lord, Who so she's the first hero of Heroes of the Storm that is straight from Heroes of the Storm. She's not someone from another Blizzard game, so she's the first original. Oh, that's interesting, yeah. So she, she's an, interesting, you know.
0: Justin, uh, I once got invited to a Heroes of the Storm, project. I've never heard of that I've before. Never heard this story. never told me that ever. <laughs> I used to play Here's of the Storm quite a bit. Got into beta really early, and I played the crap out of it. Haven't played it in a while. I'm actually curious to go back and try lately, uh, but uh, especially since
1: apparently they're doing a whole bunch of changes to uh, gameplay and character works. So it'd be the interesting. the only to see how problem
0: stuff. with that game has always been like the queue times. Where we're always just, That's like, the worst part about it. Like the game is great. I've always loved like the different maps and the rotation of maps. and But I, you
1: sit uh, there you know, longer than you actually play.
0: Yeah, I know. Well, I mean, not quite that long, but yeah, like definitely five, six, seven minute cues, which I don't know, just like when I go, if I go play League and i to play in like an ARAM, I can get in one in like less than a minute. And then I go, yeah, I don't know. But uh, I'm actually curious. I just reinstalled Battle.net yesterday because Destiny 2 uh, is doing that whole free thing. Keith was telling me about that. So I downloaded (laughs) it. Yeah, it's fine. Whatever, like it's for free. I mean, so I still downloaded it. So I'm gonna give it a give it a go. But like I'm I'm now that I have Battle.net reinstalled because ever since I did my my computer rebuild a couple months back, I never actually reinstalled Battle.net. So I'm thinking of downloading Heroes of the Storm and uh, busting it out again. So we'll see.
1: Uh, Warcraft wise, uh, wow, yeah, classic comes out in summer 2019. Um, I have zero interest in playing this because I actually oh uh, World of Warcraft, remember. World of Warcraft, yeah. Sorry. I'm thinking the other one. Okay, continue. Yeah, we'll we'll get there. Uh, I remember the early days of Warcraft, and I am not looking through rose-colored glasses. I remember how garbage it was, and so people are so excited about this classic thing. I am not. It wasn't
0: garbage, but like I would say, compared to the e, like the 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 amount of player ease that there is in game now, like how efficient and simple it is for you to get where you need to go as fast as you can, blah blah blah, all that kind of stuff. It was wasn't really around, like. You know, it's we terrible. That's one of the reasons I played. I I played a mage is because I just wanted to teleport everywhere. Because I came from EverQuest and like I knew what the, the travel times in EverQuest, which you know put Warcraft to shame. But you can make a ton of money, as uh, as a oh, yeah. mage back in the day, like porting people. So I'm like I'm gonna play a mage. So I ended up playing mage. And even though I'm not a huge DPS type class, I prefer tanks, but like yeah, I played a mage just so I didn't have. I'm like I don't want to. I don't want to take boats everywhere. So.
1: But. They had a demo on the floor where if you were Horde, you could work in the Barrens, and if you were Alliance, you'd be in Westfall. And it basically was about the Fiesta Brotherhood and uh dealing with uh, where they the pig people, wow, Quill bore. so a different type of stuff. Quill bores? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, they also have a new charity pet, they do one every year. This one's for code.org, is putting technology in kids' hands, um, for like uh, elementary school kids and middle school kids. The charity pet is Wamper. He's a little baby uh, Yeti, so it looks pretty cute. Big old eyes and big old uh, – get that tumor head like we always talk about. Uh, there's a new WoW cinematic that came out for 8.1. It's Lost Honor. It has uh, Sour Fang and Anduin in it, and it looks amazing. They've really – like their cinematics every time just gets so good. Um, I really, really liked it. They confirmed Kul Tiran and Zandalari trolls for the new allied races. Kul Tiran going to have shamans, Zandalari trolls going to have uh, paladins. So these are new, new races to have this type of stuff on either side, which is good. Uh, they showed an in-game cinematic for Terra Darkshore, which is going to be a new warfront of Darkshore because they they burned on Tel So there's a new warfront going on there. They talked about eight point one five um, and having it, having, uh, Draenor time walking. It's going to have um, in 8.1, you're going to have a new raid about, in Zandalar, in 8.2, you're going to have a raid killing Azara. so there's that one, too. Um, there's So here's here's something you might like, okay? In 8.2, they're also doing a mecha gnome, uh, yes. like, mini-raid, okay? So the idea uh-huh. is, they're, so here's what's happening. They're opening up a section, which is a new island, and it's all gnome-based. And in this world, they're mecha gnomes, and they're part robotic. And you remember how uh, Karazhan was like a mini raid, basically, with, for five people? Yeah. Same thing for this.
0: Eventually, that's what it became.
1: Yeah. So it's a mythic level mini raid for five people, and there's a whole new gnome area. It's about really expanding the gnome stuff that they've never done over 15 years of
0: WoW. They've never done it, so... Man, that gnomer gun, right? Just uh still been, don't have it fixed. There's still people running out. Like yeah. <laughs> you go there and there's yeah, still gnomes escaping. Like how long has Wild been out? Like 10 years or something, yeah. right? And so for 10 years, there's been people trying to run out of that place. You go there and you still see like the same routes, the same gnomes kind of running out. Like so so silly. Um, next
1: thing on the docket, which is actually it intrigues me, is the Warcraft three reforged
0: yeah here we go this has got my attention so yeah. uh
1: it's basically they've redone every cinematic and every bit of gameplay added new quests new things going on in the game for Warcraft 3 they did this recently for Starcraft one um where they basically reforged Starcraft one and reskinned it and re right the they, they're, they said
0: they're doing more than they did with Starcraft like the Starcraft yeah. master they want to do more with it than just sort of like a, a touch of paint they actually want to kind of iterate on it some more as well
1: it looks really good um some of the models look better than they do in wow like they have hogger models it's that look like hogger and wow um but it's really interesting and the stuff they tease in the in the showroom was you know the colony of Stratholme, which is really like the key moment of that game and stuff i'm looking True. forward to seeing all the cinematics and stuff i've never been an rts guy i'm garbage at them. Uh, like I love
0: players. RTS. Yeah, I, I used to be a big time RTS guy. I used to be a huge StarCraft player. I almost, uh, I almost failed. I didn't. I never really got super close to failing out of college for it, but I certainly, uh, I certainly spent a lot of my freshman year of college playing StarCraft until like four o'clock in the morning. Um, but yeah, that was way back in the day.
1: I look forward to seeing all the cinematics and stuff. I think it's going to look really, really good. So
0: I, uh, I was really interested because I was, I was seeing how apparently. Like if you already own Warcraft three, you're still going to be able to play with people who get Warcraft three reforged, and vice versa. Like you can actually like there's going to be crossover, which is weird, right? Like I, I find that yeah, so interesting you'll be gonna saying work.
1: one thing and they're saying another thing.
0: That's yeah, it's it's fascinating. Like I probably will still get it. I think um, at least just to run through the the quest. If stuff,
1: others you know. get it, I'll get it too. It's like Starcraft. Like I'm not a huge fan of Starcraft, but when we played it, it was yeah. fun. Except when Pat sixling rushed me. because He's a jerk.
0: Okay, you just, you need to get over that, man. You just need to get, it's, it's it's a legit strat. Like, it's a legit strat, and the Zerg is good for that. That's what they're like, you're like, oh, I'm sorry. You can't do the thing that you're good at, so stop it. Could have you attack me else? with overlords me. instead? Um, so,
1: the last and very not least thing was Diablo. So, before Diablo, their keynote came out, they were all excited because they were saying, oh, could it be Diablo 4? Isn't it an expansion? What are they doing to improve gameplay? And it was a uh, mobile device game, right? And so it's called Diablo Immortal, and it takes place in between Diablo 2 and Diablo 3, so it's like a prequel. Prequels always go well with people. People love that stuff. And so it's all on your phone. And here's the issue with it. Um, It is a complete reskin of a Chinese-manufactured game for... for, kung fu panda
0: i don't know if i want to go as far as to say it's a complete reskin i've seen the the screen caps and there's a lot of similarities but like allegedly i think we should throw the word it allegedly. is we are a professional insane. podcast we gotta throw the word allegedly
1: sure allegedly. it's insane how upset people are on the website or on youtube it hit over 300k dislikes
0: for that preview yeah. right and then didn't they, they like take the they take started the removing like, them yeah
1: <laughs> they started removing dislikes. There's a guy at the Q and a who comes up and says, uh, I was just wondering, is this an out of season April fool's joke? Right. And people, they had blizzard had him removed from the premises after that question. He then is on like the top comments for all like the reddits and stuff. And blizzard keeps on removing it from all the stuff. Cause they have all that money to do. So there was then later another time during the Q and a, Someone said, "Is this going to eventually have some type of computer port?" And the guys on the stage are like, "Don't you all have phones? Like this is for your phone." And everyone in the audience boos the stage. At at the the people who paid to go to BlizzCon booed the people on stage at BlizzCon. It's hilarious. So did the guy
0: really get get taken out? I I hadn't read that part. He was removed.
1: He was removed from the event
0: for asking. Mm, That's It's. He asked it's, it in a fairly respectful manner. Like he wasn't, sure. being it wasn't
1: being too dickish about it, but it was a little bit, but well, like I
0: saw like, I saw like he, uh, I guess answered a couple of questions on Reddit or something. Like that. And he's just like, there's a lot of things I wanted to say. Cause I'm like a big fan and everything. And that was just sort of like the nicest way I could say it. And I thought it was pretty funny. Like such a <laughs> troll. It's so funny. Like, so he's the hero we do. We need and deserve.
1: Yeah. So it's nuts. Um, how how much negativity is going to... It's been, like, on the front page of Reddit for two days in a row. It's pretty funny to watch. Um, You know, I have my things about Warcraft that I want to see. Like, I'd love to see more allied races other than the ones we knew have been coming out for months. But, like, whatever. They have stuff coming my way that I like. But, like, the, if you're a Diablo fan, which I am not, luckily, people got to be real upset. So anyways that was blizzcon there was other stuff they had like q and a's today for warcraft and i just didn't really care they didn't mention anything about uh allied races so until they mention that uh what were the walrus people uh until the walrus people become an allied race i am not in 100 percent. the tuscar the believe, tuscar because that's the what two R's. I, want. I want tuscar so. sure sure anyways that's it for that you said you had right. some stuff about uh, Kickstarters you want to talk about? I
0: got a Kickstarter roundup going on. There is so much on Kickstarter right now that I want to back or is is going to be coming up. So, like, October has been a ridiculous month. Uh, Essen just happened, Eschen Spiel, I should say. Spiel is the name of the convention, Essen's the same. Eschen
1: which like, Spiel.
0: Which is a big, uh, you know, it's like one of the biggest uh, board game conventions or just gaming conventions in the world, and it's held in Germany in October every, uh, every year. But I don't know what it is, if, if, if that's kind of driving it, or maybe it's just people, like different companies trying to get their Kickstarters up before the holiday rush that they can get all their money <laughs> before that happens. I don't know. Anyway, there's a ton of stuff. There's, even, there's more up here on Kickstarter that I want to talk about than I have time to talk about in this episode. So I might even talk about more next week. But I'm not committing necessarily to backing all of these yet, but these are ones that I'm seriously considering. And so I'm going to talk about three. I'm going to try to go through fast, uh, relatively fast, fast for me. Uh, so the first one I want to talk about, and I already I already briefly alluded to it, was uh, this war game that, that my wife and I have been playing. It's called The Edge Dawnfall. Uh, it is by Awakened Realms, which is the name uh, of the publisher. It's designed by Michael Oratz, who's uh, who's a really well-known designer, and I think he actually does the art as well. There's a couple other designer names, uh, Christoph Piskorski and Marcin Swerkat. I'm sure I got like half of that right. Um, so... If you're familiar with wargaming, uh, like miniature-based wargaming, we're thinking of things like Warhammer 40K or uh, or, or War Machine or something like that, um, or like X-Wing. Uh, so those are like miniature wargames, tabletop uh, wargames. We've never really played one, my wife and I. We don't usually play direct conflict games. We've gotten a couple that are sort of close to it, but we really don't go full on. It's not necessarily our, our preferred way to play. Um, but I backed the Edge Dawnfall a couple years ago when it was first on Kickstarter, because, mainly because I just wanted the miniatures because the miniatures are this wonderful mix of like sci-fi and and uh, and fantasy. And so I can kind of use them um, in either d d or in Starfinder, depending on what I'm running. And so it was kind of useful to me. That's it's how like a lot of times I break a tie on whether or not I want to back something. Um, but we actually busted the game out and started playing it. And surprisingly, it's fun. I'm a little bit uh, salty right now. I still am uh, a little bit salty, even though we finished about an hour and a half ago, this this uh, this skirmish we had. Uh, but let me walk you through the game just a little bit, really quickly. Uh, it's a fairly accessible miniatures-based game. A lot of war gaming tends to be very difficult, a lot of rules, kind of like what we were talking about when it comes to card games. There's a lot, there's like a learning curve. There's a fairly big learning curve. And this game... Uh, I thought was probably the easiest I've ever played, at least tried thus far. And I, I've t- I tried some, but not a ton. Um, so it's a, it's a it's a miniatures-based war game with a mix of deck building and some area control. Um, and it also in, has a solo and a co-op campaign uh, that's built into it with uh, like this. One of the factions is like an AI faction that you can play. Uh, you can play it one to four players. You can play it team-based. You can play it free-for-all. You can play specific faction uh, campaigns, like one versus one. Like if my wife and I decided to pick two particular factions, like certain ones are paired off story-wise, then you can just play through the campaign itself. And there's like a series of specific matches, kind of like you would in like a StarCraft or a World of Warcraft or something like that. Uh, so the setting is kind of like a post-apocalyptic setting with a little bit of sci-fi and a little bit of fantasy to it. And there's six unique factions that are that are playable, the darkness faction can be played, but it's not really kind of like tournament ready. So it's not really supposed to be for competitive. Uh, But the six ones are, there's um, the chapter, which are basically angels. Uh, There's the demons. Um, There's the Razak, which are kind of time traveling robots. There's the Vergar, which are uh, kind of futuristic dwarves, which is my preferred. Um, There's the faceless, which are basically robot zombies and then there's the reborn, which are kind of like the, the tree hugging uh, nature type. Um, so, like, they all have different game styles. So, like, the Dvergar are really good at defense, and they have, like, they're kind of hard to kill. Like, the Razak are really good at distance stuff, um, and they have a lot of mobility. Um, the Faceless have, like, this cannibalism and evolution mechanic that no other one has. Like, the Reborn uses a lot of poison. Uh, the Demons are really good at initiative, and they use curses. And then the Chapter are, like, have a lot of heals and saves and defenses and are basically the freaking blue deck equivalent. And my wife was playing it, and it was... I'm, I'm sorry. I'm salty. Anyway, the game's for jerks. Blue decks are for jerks all the time. Yeah, my wife's a jerk. You heard that. No fun snake. You're listening to it right now. Exactly. No fun snake. I like how that's a thing. And you weren't even there when it happened. And that's just become a term. Uh, okay, so the game has like these passive and active turns. Uh, so on a passive, so on an active turn, you can do what you normally would expect to do, which is like move move a unit or move a squad. And then attack if you want, right? And you can also play cards. And so, like like you said, like I said, there's like a little bit of a deck building mechanic. If you're playing one v one, there's like 25 cards in your deck. Three is your your hand size, and you can play different cards that allow you uh, to kind of augment your 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 squad's abilities. Um, and you're also fighting over these crystals. So on the map, which is like this hexagonal map, uh, it's not modular, but you you place specific things. So you place like these little crystal units, and they um, that cover up a big hex, or you place uh, like a shrine, which is is faction specific and gives you some bonuses and stuff like that as well and so you're trying to like fight over these crystals because the crystals are what you use to trigger a lot of the abilities on the cards and so it's not just i'm off and trying to fight you it's like we're kind of fighting or or, or working over these specific crystal places like these little locations and there's like three or four i think there's four and you know one v one game if i remember and so you're fighting over that and then on a passive turn is like you're trying to get all your crystals back so like. You start trying to accrue crystals the way that you might, like in an RTS game, like accrue money, um, but it's constantly cycling through that crystal so that you can trigger those cards and those abilities. There's all sorts of different unit types, there's different sizes, some are really large. Every single faction has like a 90 millimeter scale model. So my wife had this massive like robotic angel and I have this massive, like uh, this mech, uh, it's pretty cool. Um, And I'm trying to think like in the demon ones has this ridiculously large demon dude. Uh, uh, So it's pretty cool. And then there's others that are a little smaller Um, and like the base sizes are a little bit different. Everything's kind of hexagonal. And so like some miniatures are just basic, you know, 20, 25 to 32 millimeter type stuff with a single hex. And then some of them have bases that are like two hexes and some of them have bases that are three hexes and some of them bases that are seven hexes. And that sort of determines like how big and whether or not you can push people around. Um, so this is the second so right now on kickstarter is this is the is the reprint uh so it's the edge dawnfall version 1.6 right and so um it's not just a reprint but it's also like upgrading some components and it's adding some new units specifically new calvary units which is pretty cool so the demons are getting this succubus it's not so much riding something but has like a pet that comes with it and there's some voting that's going on so they're letting like the the people who are back and get a say in it the chapter are getting this holy knight on a horseback which is like a sci-fi paladin pretty cool looking uh, the razak are getting this big old mech jumpsuit that's like something out of avatar it's pretty awesome Uh, The faceless are getting uh, a big old spider mech zombie guy. So it's like a zombie that's got these spider legs. Are you talking about Wild Wild West? Is that what you're talking about right now? It's a little, little Wild Wild West, yeah, yeah. Um That's the Devergar right. are, are going to be getting, and have, we haven't unlocked it yet. There's still a couple days left. Are they're getting these badass dwarves on motorcycles? Like it's just they just just looks so good. I love it. Uh, the reborn are getting uh, basically Sizwani from uh, from uh, what's it called, Legal Legends. So it's like a barbarian lady on top of some crazy looking boar or pig or bear um there's a variety of different pledge levels there's pledge levels for people who have like me who have already backed and then there's pledge levels for people who want to just sort of touch the waters you can get like a starter a starter uh box which has two factions in it um plus the darkness ai so you have the opportunity to play 1v1 or you can play versus like the darkness campaign and stuff like that um and i think that's about 100 bucks the war chest gives you all six factions which is what i have and that's like 200 and change um i mean war game is expensive that's just i mean all there is to it Um, But I think this is relatively affordable when it comes to uh, when it comes to like if you compare this to trying to build out like a really big point army for like Warhammer 40k or something. I still think this is super, uh, super inexpensive. Anyway, I don't want to go too much further into it. My wife and I have started playing it. We're really enjoying it, even though it's frustrating. Like it was so frustrating. I was so close to winning, but she just kept like counterspelling me. Basically, it's like just throwing these defense cards down so I couldn't get my attacks through. It was oh so annoying. And we ended up with a draw. But the game's set to deliver in November 2019, and the uh, the Kickstarter itself ends pretty quickly after this uh, episode drops. So it drops on our episode usually drops on Monday, and so this will this will go out on Tuesday, uh, which is I think I want to say the sixth or something. So that's the Edge Dawnfall by Awakened Realms, a really good board game company too. Uh, The second one that I'm really considering is a game called The Ever Rain. Uh, which I briefly mentioned a few weeks back when I was talking about Village Attacks because it's the same company, uh, Grimlord Games, that's putting this out. It's designed by Adam Smith, who's the same guy. It's got art by Alexandra Billick, uh, Bjorn Hurry, Sebastian Kowal, and Hennig Ludvigsen. I just like saying their names. Um, this is a one-to-four-player cooperative ex- exploration game, and it also has a tons of min- tons of miniatures. Um, I'm kind of a miniature freak. I'm trying to cut down. I like to paint, and I like to use a lot of miniatures in D&Ds. So, like one of the reasons I'm willing to back these games is because I get a lot of utility from them. Not only do I get a board game I can play, but I also can, you know, f- sustain my painting hobby and I can go ahead and use them for D D. So I get a lot of use out of them. Um, not everybody does. And so like you have to sort of figure out, you know, when you're trying to back these things, like where is your value at? So um, the theme is basically that it, it's sort of like Lovecraftian stuff. Like the elder gods meet pirates, Uh, So you're sitting in the world where the the old gods, the old ones is the terminology they use, are awake, um, and they're reshaping the world, and there's like water everywhere. It's constantly raining, and everybody controls a different ship uh, and and a various crew, and now they're exploring this new world that the old ones are reshaping in whatever image that they see fit. So things are kind of all over the place. So it's an exploration game, so it sounds really cool. It's got a modular board, uh, which players discover as the game progresses, it's sort of scenario based like these mini little campaign arcs. do um, I wanna say it's like a full campaign game but it has like these little arcs, I think where one scenario leads into the next. Um, so as you explore this like hexagonal map, you place modular hex tiles that reveal different types of spots. So it could be ports or islands, open seas, shipwrecks, things like that. Um, and as the game progresses, you're recruiting different crew, which all have in like, depending on, you know, captain, chef, that kind of stuff. Um, and they all have different, benefits and traits that could potentially uh, make your crew stronger, or in some cases, allow you to trigger other story elements because you have specific traits. Um, So some of them are positive, some of them are negative. Um, And so it's not always good, but it's it's interesting at the very least, it's all very narrative heavy. Um, And so when you explore um an island for instance like you draw these cards and then another player will read it out loud to you and tell you like to make a choice and then you make a choice and then they'll tell you the the consequence of that right and when you're out at sea you draw sea event cards and something fairly similar happens um and there's tests just like you would in like a like an rpg or in like an eldritch horror or games like that or mansions of madness which i've talked about recently um and you just it's sort of same sort of idea you have stats you roll your tests and based upon that something story happens, right? That's the idea. Um, I mentioned Eldritch Horror because it's giving me a little bit of vibe like that, which is like the idea of there's this world you're exploring and you're trying to do it. Like there's a clock, there's these elder ones, they're rising, they're getting strong, and you're trying to look around and figure things out. There's a little bit of Dead of Winter in the sense, like the way the crossroad cards work. Um, if you're familiar with Dead of Winter, um, or if you've played something like Tales of the Arabian Nights or Above and Below, which is like have storybooks. While there's no storybook per se, there's story cards. I don't know necessarily how exhaustive or how substantive those stories are going to be yet. It might just be a fairly, like from what we've seen, the cards are fairly small, but still interesting to some degree. Um, there's a work in progress rule book up there right now, but it's still a really early draft up on Kickstarter. Um, and the gameplay doesn't seem to be entirely finalized yet. And as the Kickstarter progresses, and there's still a couple of weeks left on this one, they're going to be spotlighting various parts of the game and how it plays. Like they just did like a big spotlight on the concept of traits and how that works. Um, So hopefully we'll get an idea a little bit better how the game's going to work. Um, So there's a little under three weeks left. It ends on November 23rd. And so I really do wanna learn more about this game. I don't feel like they've done a clear enough job yet of sort of explaining how the game plays, but it's certainly got a cool system. And it seems like this is just a foundation for them to put out their awesome miniatures, which is okay, just I think totally fine. But I'm hoping there's a good game. Like when I hear the concept of exploration and cooperative together, and then there's like ships and elder ones, like it's, it's hitting a lot of things that I tend to like. And hopefully the, the actual gameplay is gonna support this. Um, so right now I'm backing it because I don't like on, the way Kickstarter works is that you don't actually pay up front. You don't, they don't collect money until the the campaign's over. So I have a couple of weeks to cancel my pledge if I decide over the next couple of weeks, I don't really like what I'm seeing. Um, but I'm backing primarily based on, I like the miniatures. I like the theme. I like the idea of this being an exploration style game. And it's also from a company that I've already backed twice. And I like what I've gotten from them. I really enjoy Village Attacks. And the stars I like as well. Village Attacks I love. I think it's a fantastic game. Um, So I I wish they would have had some more information, but um, another thing you can do sometimes I do this as well is you just throw a buck in the Kickstarter to track um, the track updates and they'll kind of give you more information and then with a company like this one of the other cool things that they do is that you don't actually have to put all your money out on Kickstarter if you don't want you can back for a dollar get access to their pledge manager a couple months after the Kickstarter ends and then make your decision you kind of upgrade your pledge so it gives you an extended period of time to see the game progress and see if it's going in the direction you want it to go, and then you can make that choice. Um, but the game, the base game is like a like 100 and 100 and change, 110 bucks, which is becoming pretty standard for a miniatures driven game like this. Um, but I'm looking into it. It's one of the ones I'm considering. Uh, it's I think it's a little higher up on my list just because of uh, I like the, the company that's uh, that's put it out. And then the final Kickstarter game I want to talk about has no miniatures in it. It's entirely different than the previous ones I talked about. This one's called La Mancha which is uh, designed by Christopher Totten, who also did the art. And it's whoa, being whoa, whoa. Family what?
1: show. Family show. What?
0: What did I do? Anyways. Christopher Totten?
1: What? Yeah. yeah.
0: I don't get it. I don't get it. That's his name. It's right there. Christopher Totten. yeah. yeah. Anyway. Okay. Uh, it's published by Pie for Breakfast Studios. Um, there's a variety of pledge levels with this one. This is a completely different game. This is a three to five player storytelling card game that's based on Don Quixote. And I know you've probably never read Don Quixote, but I have and I enjoy it. Anyway, so in this particular game, it's three to five players. It's storytelling and players take turns trying to reveal this. is I'm quoting now, reveal uh, the steps of an epic journey. And so they face challenges along the way. So it's kind of like this cooperative, semi-cooperative, but competitive style story storytelling game. Um, And you use like chivalry cards to overcome a variety of challenges because there's a bunch of cards in there. And then you try to tell stories. And if you tell a really good story, you gain treasure cards and you can use them to perform feats. And if you perform feats like slaying giants or dueling rivals, you get victory points essentially. And whoever gets the most feats, they win. Um, So the the chivalry deck has 90 cards. It's not a very big game. It's not a very expensive game either. The chivalry deck has 90 cards. That's got all sorts of words and phrases from... All sorts of different books on chivalry, which is hilarious, including including Don Quixote and among others. Uh, the treasure deck has 50 cards that all add various things to knight to the like to your character so like a knight like strength and in, including armor and weapons and shields and steeds and all that kind of stuff. And then there's a journey deck which has 54 cards, which has encounters, which are situations that players respond to by making up stories using the chivalry cards and the language and the words that are on the chivalry cards to help trigger your um, your creativity. And you use that to try and generate like a story from it. There's also 16 love cards, which are characters from Don Quixote that players can try to win the favor of by making up poems using chivalry cards. As a, As a writing instructor, I can already see how I'm going to be using this sometimes in classes. It'd be fun. Uh, and then there's 15-feet cards, which are basically uh, like the victory victory point system. Um, there's a really nice, simple how-to-play video up on their Kickstarter campaign, which I think is always a big plus when I see it. Um, there's all sorts of really great art. It's hand-painted watercolor illustrations, so it's really got a nice aesthetic to it. Um, the stretch goals are looking to add some nice uh, tuck boxes, an art book, and a Sancho Panza-themed expansion. Um, it reminds me just looking at it of two games. One game is called once upon a time, which I have, and I've played, which is a storytelling game, competitive semi-cooperative storytelling game, Where everyone has cards and you like, they all have na- they all have words on it. And everyone starts telling this cooperative story and you play cards to kind of interrupt somebody and take the story over. So one person starts the story. And then if at some point they they say a word that you have on one of your cards, you can play that card and kind of take control. So if you're like, you know, we were like me and my friends went out in the forest to fight the troll, right? And like, you have a card in your hand that says troll. You play that card and you take it over and you start telling. And the whole point of that game is to kind of exhaust your hand, right? And then you you finish the story using a particular card. Uh, so I really like storytelling games. Uh, Adventures of Baron Munchausen is a little different. That one's it's more like a book, really, kind of like a light RPG, almost like a Fiasco or something like that, where. Uh, you're just trying to one up each other. Uh, you're telling like these these increasingly daunting, silly, uh, silly stories, um, where people are trying to like challenge you to to make sense of things. It's really awesome. But this seems like a, a kind of a light, fun game, a uh, little party like, little party like. Uh, but if you're the type of uh, game group that really likes telling stories, or really like, or maybe you're. You're kind of RPGers, but don't necessarily have the time to commit to like a full on D&D campaign. And you want to have that feel of cooperative storytelling. This looks pretty cool. And it's uh, it's pretty cheap. You can pay you can pay 15 bucks just to get the print and play. If that's what you want, um, you can get 30 bucks for a physical copy. There's all sorts of other bells and whistles for like different different tiers. If you want above 30, so getting things like tote bags and art prints and stuff. Um, and this is due out in July 2019. So that's La mancha. No miniatures in this one, just cards. It's designed by Christopher Totten and uh, it's published by pie for breakfast studios. And honestly, I really like the name of that studio company because pie for breakfast is, uh, is fantastic. And so uh, that is it for my Kickstarter roundup for this week. I might do more next week because there's even more coming. So you got anything else for us? I got one more thing.
1: Uh, Netflix released their, it happened on the 31st on Halloween. They released their uh, second season of Castlevania. And I watched the first season. I really very much enjoyed it, so I decided to start watching the second season. So, Castlevania stars Richard Armitage, who's best known for uh, Oakenshield from uh, uh, the Hobbit movies. Uh, there you go, The Hobbit. Graham McTavish plays Dracula. He plays the uh, the what's his name the the guy with the and, and preacher. He plays the the. The death guy, the guy with the gun and the hat, the cowboy, the old cowboy—I forget mm-hmm. what his name was. Wow, in um, a comic book, guy, really, see. Yeah, I forget. It's completely blanking right now. Um, it also stars uh, James Callis as Alucard, who is known as uh, Baltar. Uh, guy
0: is Baltar plays Alucard. Um, you know, I still hate that guy just because of his right? Baltar. Like, I—I'm sure he's a wonderful man, but I just hate him just because of it. You know.
1: Uh, some of the additions to this season was Peter Stormare as a Godbrand. Was God it Brand. the
0: Saint of Killers? Was that was that right? The Saint of Killers. Yeah, Saint of Killers, now that's his out. name. Okay. There we go.
1: Uh, Peter Stormare plays a guy named God Godbrand. He plays a Viking uh, vampire in this one. Uh, he's best known for well my favorite performance was his was in um uh, Armageddon as the Russian cosmonaut. Uh, so he's in that. Um, there's a, other, a few other people. Uh, Theo James plays a couple. Uh, plays a human, and so does a couple other people. Like,
0: Russian problems, U.S. problems, all made in Taiwan. Uh, yeah, yeah, that guy. Okay, yeah.
1: So basically, the story. Uh, the original story for Castlevania was Dracula is a really bad guy, right? And um, but they do really. It's more of an exploration on Dracula than it is on uh, Trevor Belmont. So Trevor Belmont's the main character. He's your protagonist, um, played by Richard Armitage. And Dracula is your your villain. And so basically the idea is Dracula, when he was younger, uh, fell in love with a woman and uh, was stopping his ways of, like, hunting and killing people and trying to annihilate the human race because of this woman he fell in love with. Um, They had a child, and uh, the local uh, bishops found out about their relationship, and then he basically – uh burned his wife at the stake and the reason why he didn't like her is because it's during the crusades and there's a lot of scientific stuff she was like she was using like uh uh autopsies and stuff to try and explore stuff uh through science so um when they kill his wife he then decides to rain terror on the people of planet earth because it uh it made him very mad, and that's how he's as bad as he is. The Belmonts have been hunting vampires for years, and they thought they'd be, be extinct, and Trevor Belmont is basically a, a, um, a, a ancestor of these people. And he's kind of a drunk, and no one really likes him, but he's really good at uh, killing them vampires. So in the first season, they find Alucard. Alucard is Dracula's son, and he teams up with another magician, and Alucard... To decide to go and try and stop uh dracula in the second season dracula starts getting together his his like um his band of generals to try and start taking over uh the world and destroying all humans uh two in particular are hector and isaac who are humans and he trusts them the most and hector and isaac um they're very special because they're the only humans the entire group uh hector is like a necromancer that can bring uh things back to life and so he was excommunicated from his people because of his uh reanimation techniques that he uses Now he would use it for animals and stuff so he was kind of like uh, banished from his people because of that and isaac was a slave um and used and he would work alongside with some crusaders but they tortured him and he kind of left and lost his humanity and and those people as well um there's also small hints that he might have also been homosexual. So like in that time it was kind of like frowned upon. So kind of like these weird, like undertones of that type of stuff. Um, a new woman comes in, Carmilla and she's trying to uproot, like uproot what's going on. She thinks that Dracula is being uh, childish and, and, and not doing what he's supposed to be doing. So she's trying, she's basically becoming uh, my be- but best way I can describe her. She's, she's star screaming uh, Dracula, right? So she's like, uh, you don't know what you're doing. I can run this better. You're garbage. So she kind of like tries to uh, uproot what's going on there. And meanwhile, uh, Trevor and his little band finds the Belmont uh, facilities and finds all of the old uh, like uh, weapons and stuff that he used to have in the past. Um, so the show's is okay. Um, I, I enjoy it some. The, the, there's a few things about it. it's super brutal it's one of the bloodiest things i've ever seen and it's very violent and very very rated r the, i've seen probably about 30 beheadings in five episodes and they're pretty brutal removals of hearts and lots of blood um the 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 backstories they give to the new characters are great however i'm watching this for trevor belmont's character i could it, they might as well just call us the dracula show because the the ratio, I think, is like a 60-40 ratio. There's so much Dracula and all of his little minions and barely any Trevor halfway through the season. And it's kind of annoying me because I'd like to see more Trevor Belmont and Alucard and all that stuff. I just feel like there's so much time spent with Dracula. Um, the backstories they give these characters are great, but like I want Trevor Belmont and his backstory. That's what I'm interested in, his character. Um, it's American anime, so like it's not real true anime because like their mouths are clearly moving to the american uh, dubbing but i don't really like you know how like if it's japanese anime like when their mouths you know they're it's being dubbed with american words so the mouths don't really, really match up this is clearly american made anime style where like their mouths are moving perfectly with the american words you know what i mean
0: I didn't realize that like anime was only used for like Japanese animation. I thought well, it was like, just a term for animation.
1: It's just the it's the type of style, I guess. But it's like this is American based anime, it's not Japanese based. So, but no like the only, right now, but continue. The only problem that I have with it it it, it seems it's almost like the show is missing frames, you know? It almost it stutters a lot. And I don't know if that's it, it's part of the style of what they do. But I don't know if that's trying to save money on frames, like not having to do so many cells to make it smoother. But like, there's it's so choppy at times. Like, there's a lot of like, it's almost like it's moving at two frames a second. It's so slow how the app how the animation goes, and that bothers me because it's it looks so beautiful, but then I get so distracted by the movements because it's so choppy. Um, it's it's hard for me to kind of explain, but it just kind of takes me away from it because the fight scenes are okay. But then like everyone's moving like a robot because it, it, it's not smooth at all. Cause like I'll see sometimes in an animation where when it's like conversations and stuff, they'll cheapen down on the animation. But when it comes to like fights and stuff, it's very smooth and interesting. But like, it's not like that at all. It's very choppy all the time. So it's it's my only drawback from the show is that the animation at times is a little distracting, but it's super brutal. Um, I'm gonna keep watching it. I enjoy the story so far. It's just, I wish the anime was a little bit better produced. All this. Anyways, that's Castlevania. It's on Netflix. It's only 30 minute episodes. So I got through about five of them pretty easily this week. I have to finish the other five here soon. So yeah, that's all I got to say about that.
0: All right. So let's go talk about our breakdown for the week. All right.
1: It's the TV. Breakdown.
0: Homecoming is a new Amazon TV series billed as a psychological thriller and based on a podcast of the same name by Gimlet Media. Created by Eli Horowitz and Micah Bloomberg, the Amazon series stars Julia Roberts as Heidi Bergman a counselor and caseworker for the Homecoming Transitional Support Center, a program that promises to help formerly active soldiers transition back into civilian life. While at Homecoming, Heidi works with multiple soldiers, uh, but primarily we watch her interactions with Walter Cruz, played by Stephen James. The program itself seems a mixture of clinical and pharmaceutical therapy, uh, but as the show progresses, it becomes a little unclear how ethical these processes are how much the soldiers know about the services and whether or not there might be ulterior motives to the programming Uh, now homecoming is owned by a parent company the geist group uh, which is most frequently represented by bobby cannavale's colin belfast who is heidi's supervisor and he frequently appears via phone conversation as he micromanages heidi from afar Now, complicating the show is the present day storyline because all of that was in the past now, the present-day storyline finds Heidi working as a waitress years after her time with Homecoming. And an Department of Defense compliance officer, played by Shay Wiggum, uh, investigates a, a complaint surrounding the Homecoming program, and specifically Walter Cruz. Now, as the show progresses, director Sam Esmail, who uh, most people know from Mr. Robot, uh, weaves together the present-day state of Heidi's life, which has taken a noticeable downturn in the time she spent with Homecoming raising questions and mysteries about what went down and what went wrong during Heidi's time working for the program. Now, as always, we're going to do our best not to spoil too much, but you got to understand that some small spoilers might happen, especially for a show like this one, one that's filled with kind of oddities and a little bit of mystery. Uh, So if you want to avoid all spoilers and go into Homecoming fresh, we recommend skipping forward now to the General's Challenge uh, and returning to our discussion once you have a few episodes of Homecoming under your belt. So with that warning complete, Justin, what would you think of Homecoming? Um, I was hooked right away.
1: Um, I I, I thought it was a very interesting, uh, story. What really hooked me is the art design of the show. I feel like in order there's, there's so much content out there right now, right? There's, there's so many, like there's Amazon, Hulu, Netflix, YouTube, uh, different, uh, like companies are creating their own, uh, like, content over time streaming through. services yeah, yeah yeah and and it's we're getting but even though it's a great time of like like almost a renaissance of tv and stuff like that to stand out you gotta do some different stuff and i feel like this one does and i feel like it really does a good job through visual storytelling and audio story storytelling i think it's mm-hmm. fantastic with their sound design and i think it's also because you said this is a a, a derived from a podcast yes so a good has, podcast. Actually, i One think it favorites. has to do with what it what it came from why there's so very so much audio and sound uh uniqueness to it um but on top of that some of the uh camera work is just insane it's just so unique and cool looking like how give was an example like what do you mean uh first thing is when you first are when you first see here in present day that it's like a reverse letterbox look where it's like a vertical, yeah, yeah, it's like a right, vertical yeah. cell phone. Um, and it's very unique and cool, um, but it's not distracting. You just feel a different feel when that's going on. And then right. you get a lot of these like long, uh, pools, these long pool ins from a distance,
0: or mm-hmm. and zooms too. Cause like zoom yeah. in, it's like, 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 there was this one part with, uh, with Shay Wiggum's character, uh, the Department of Defense, the, the compliance officer. Where it was, it was like almost retro. It was like I was watching, yeah. like a nineteen seventies like cop drama, and, and it it's was, got a
1: little grain to it as well. Yeah,
0: a little bit of it, like the coloring itself is a, it's a little like the, there's, there's not a whole lot of saturation. Like it's just like kind of, yeah, it's, it's definitely got this weird style to it, it's and, just but it's like a unique. subtle style. It's not like completely, it doesn't overwhelm you, but it's certainly noticeable for sure.
1: When he was talking to her the first time. You, you see a small little zoom in on him when they're talking. I'm like, oh, that's – you don't see that very often. And I think it's that uniqueness because no one does it anymore. Instead, people do dolly shots yeah. and do different types of track shots. This is more of a – it was a straight-up zoom. And I was like, man, that's just – you don't see it so often. It's just unique. Um, and on top of that, like the one where they're they're in the office building and, like, you're going through the office building, you're going, like, from the from the ceiling – Kind Mm -hmm. of, and it's like it's like wrapping through the entire office, and you see the strange bird's
0: eye view that kind of turns into a long take in a way. Yeah, it was a really interesting shot. I know what you're talking about. It's like that, it's it's very
1: unique. Um, and then also, like when he was going through the file, the basement room, like for files, uh, for the 452 file, whatever it was,
0: sure,
1: yeah, and that long shot of him walking down the the aisles it's just With so the lights
0: clicking on and then yeah off as he goes by yeah i He's had flashbacks to being in school and, and having to research in the, in the in the in the stacks oh my god
1: i just found a lot of that just really intriguing when you put on top of that too like the doubt they're putting in your head for the situation that's going on like is it a legit thing what's going on is there something more to it but then you start seeing when he starts uh Researching the stuff through Homecoming, something happened, and the biggest thing is that she doesn't remember anything. Right. So, yeah. it was it the Men in Black? That's my question.
0: Are they, you know, yeah, what I mean? Tommy Lee Jones and Will Smith are just going to pop in know there. Yeah, like, and I make Linda this the Orientino who's constantly always forgotten as an a, whatever. That's it. And I make story. this look good. Uh, new hotness. So uh, I found
1: sure. that that mystery with it also when paired with it makes it really good plus it's good to watch a good drama story that's not an hour long you know you yeah get in, that's another you get thing out. like
0: 30 minutes give or take it's like like 27 minutes to 32 minutes runtime for these episodes which is consistent with the runtime for for the episodes of the podcast i mean there's a lot of stuff that's like straight up exactly as it was in the podcast uh it's yeah you of, can kind or, of tell with the like, audio yeah i mean like there is conversations that exactly happen like in in certain elements that happen that i'd have to go back and listen to the podcast i haven't listened to it in a year i know the second season came out and i never i never got around to listening to it because i got caught up listening to to different stuff but uh it's on my playlist but there's stuff that to me it seems almost directly directly translated so like the podcast had katherine keener was in uh was in julia roberts's role and then oscar isaac was in stephen james's role as walter cruz and then David Schwimmer was Bobby Cannavale. Um, I don't remember anything about like the actual investigator stuff. So I'm not sure if that was like as grand a storyline. I think they're, think I think they're making that a little bit bigger if, if memory serves and my memory could be just as faulty as Heidi's, but if memory serves like the Shea Wiggins character, I think that's a little getting a little bit bigger play um, if I recall correctly, but I could be wrong.
1: But I just really think it's a, just the audio about it. It was really, really unique. Like when they're talking on the phone, it's, it's, it's phone audio on both sides. Sounds I was like, that's I know, probably yeah. directly from the podcast, probably something like that, which I thought was really interesting. And, um, I, I, I like the music and just the feel of it. So it makes me really want to finish it. You know, as, there's a as,
0: weird retro feel to it. It's so strange because yeah. it's set in 2018. Like that's when it's set. um, I mean, well, I should say that the events of the quote past, like where we're watching her work through Homecoming, are set in 2018, and there's like, uh, like the present day stories, a couple years later. Um, but it certainly doesn't. It's got this weird kind of retro aesthetic to it, and it's not just in terms of of like the actual layout of of the various uh, the various sets, and not just so much the the music and the. But it's just there's something about it that has uh, kind of this lingering. Old school quality to it, yet it's set in sort of present day. I mean, people are walking around still speaking in like you know those those crappy old like uh, headphones that are that have cords and like you speak like like a Jack Bauer thing from 2012, and they're like speaking into the the actual microphone that's in the uh, that's in the string. So it's kind of strange. Now, I I don't know how far you've gotten. I think we're four episodes in, or so. I'm
1: three, but I do want to keep watching it as soon as possible.
0: I know what happens. Right. Um, I don't think they're changing it. Now they haven't really made any big changes. Like one of my favorite things, of the whole podcast was the story about Titanic rising, which is this little anecdote that Walter Cruz tells Heidi about some of the people in his in his uh, unit when he was deployed. Um, and it starts off as a very funny story, like this little um, this little anecdote about how this one guy just loved the movie Titanic, and they and like everyone got so t- sick and tired of hearing him talk about it, that one guy just sort of started playing a prank on him. That you know, have you seen the sequel to Titanic? It's called Titanic Rising, and it's like all about like the Titanic coming back, and like it gets crazy. Like Jack starts having affairs with other people like, uh, like uh, what's her name? Uh, Kate Winslet's character starts uh, having sex with a captain. And it's like, there's like a whole Italian mafia scene. It's like totally an aside, but I just love that they continued with it. And that was still there. And then the trip to the, like, there's one part in this episodes where like, they get a little nervous and they try to like break out. Like they did it a little bit differently. Um, But at the same time, the idea of, like, still showing up at this, like, trying to see, because they start to get suspicious, like, in a way. There's a little, at least one or two characters start to get a little bit suspicious about, like, are they really being kept, like, where they say they're being kept? Because it's supposed to be set in Florida. You know, it's supposed to be set, like, around Tampa. And then, like, some of the soldiers, like, are we really set in Tampa? And, like, they they wanted to kind of, like, break out of the building and kind of go see things. And that's a cool little sequence that happens. And I kind of like the way that, that they visually depicted it. When in the podcast, it was all audio. And so I was just like, you know, it's a little bit harder to, to visualize some of it. So, but pretty, I've really liked the adaptation so far. I'm like, I'm pretty happy with it. So I think I like Katherine Keener better than Julia Roberts. But, uh, you know, what are you going to do?
1: Well, I think it's good to like, I haven't seen Julia Roberts in a long time. Probably since like... Right? Eat, eat, pray, love,
0: maybe or something.
1: Well, I never saw that. Like the last thing I probably saw was probably of the traveling pants. Uh, oceans. Is that her? She's in Sister?
0: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. She was in *Oceans*. The right.
1: last thing I saw that she was in, and she's very good. And I forget sometimes, you know, like some of these. I hate to say older because she's not like she's ancient, but these uh, we have like a new. I garb. looked at
0: IMDb. It says she's ancient. Yeah, it's weird. Oh, okay. It's like a well, new category. Like,
1: We have this new guard that came in right and you just forget all these people used to win all these oscars before and used to be like she was once the highest paid actress in the world you know now it's scarlett johansson but like it was her she was the it girl and you forget like and she was really good and the way her acting i thought was fantastic um so far and like yeah i i think the same thing like about like george clooney like he hasn't been anything in the longest time i'd love to see him in something that isn't a uh uh what are those guys that do uh not the Fairley brothers what's the other brothers that do stuff all the time Cohen brothers Cohen brothers I like to see him do something other than Cohen brothers film to see because I haven't seen him anything in the longest time you know so it's like it's interesting seeing her in this role I, I really am invested but like like the problem is with you it's like when I read the comic and then watch the tv show you've already experienced these things already so you have these uh predispositions to enjoy certain parts better i have no other exposure you know
0: yeah but i mean i think there's a big difference between how some people when they approach like comic book adaptations they get very um defensive and protective uh and gatekeepery about how that adaptation happens like me like i'm perfectly willing to like experience the story in a new medium and i kind of am excited for that like as opposed to be like okay hang on hang on i just like katherine keener as an actress i think she's underrated um and also i'm a big fan of oscar isaac so uh, but i think everyone's doing really well in the story um i also want to make a nice little complimentary shout out to dermot mulroney speaking of like blast from the past right like where the hell has he been um but he plays uh, in the in, in the, the actual podcast like Heidi's boyfriend who they were together and then they broke up and then like now they're kind of reconnecting in the present day storyline and like that's a way for sort of exploring some of the weird mysteries of like what potentially happened and trying to put two and two together. Um, so I think he is like it's so weird and I'm pretty sure they were in a movie together too like at once way, way back in the day. Um, like something based on a wedding or something like that. I can't remember exactly what it was. Uh, but I think he's doing pretty well. I really like the cast. I think all in all the cast has been very strong.
1: Yeah, but I, I'm all about it. I, I highly recommend it, uh, strictly off the visual and audio style to it. Um, so I'm going to finish watching it though. See how it ends up. And if there's a big old hook by the end of the season, it might be a good investment for me to keep watching. So yeah, that's my suggestion. Yeah.
0: It's pretty fast. Like there's 10 episodes. They're half an hour a piece. So it really doesn't take that long of an investment. Um, it's, it's a, it's a show that doesn't have a, a lot of like, it, it's, it's low key and it's a, it's a slow burn, but it's a burn that's actually progressing a lot more quickly than a lot of these other shows simply because of his runtime. And I think it's really getting to the story a lot faster than some of these other shows can particularly do it's things that we've talked about in the past on this, on this, uh, on this podcast. So I'm, I'm really enjoying it as well. I think if you like mysteries, if you like non-linear storytelling, uh, if you like, shows that are set in the real world and are sort of dealing with stuff that is conceivable and impossible but also kind of eerie and creepy like this is a really nice show to kind of explore um it's it's if you're an amazon prime person like if you have that which so many people do like, you can get it right now for free amazon amazon tv's got it uh so i highly recommend it and i also um if you you know i don't know which order people would want to do this in but i would also highly recommend they check out the podcast by gimlet media so like I'm pretty sure if I recall episode, or excuse me, season one ha- had roughly the same amount of episodes, roughly the same amount of runtime. And then there's a season two now that I am now reinvigorated and re-encouraged to go listen to uh, once I finished uh, speeding through the rest of these episodes uh, of of, uh, of the actual television adaptation. So uh, so strong recommendation from both of us. Uh, and I'm, I'm glad to hear that, uh, Justin like we, uh, we had a little bit of a debate about what we we're going to break down this week. So I'm happy that uh, that it turned out good for you. Yeah. All right, so let's go ahead and do our gentleman's challenge for the week.
1: And now it's time for the gentleman's challenge.
0: All right, so the gentleman's challenge is a segment we do here on the Lolly Gaggers podcast, uh, where Justin and I like to sign each other some sort of uh, some sort of task to complete before the next week's episode. Uh, usually this task consists of watching a movie or a couple episodes of a tv show or maybe playing a game from time to time uh and then we ask each other questions to ensure that we did the homework sometimes these assignments are meant to drive the other person crazy sometimes it's meant to just reward them for being a good friend Uh, but either way these uh these challenges are heavy spoiler zone uh so we are not going to uh to protect anything. Uh, and so if you don't wanna hear uh, bits and pieces about some of the things we're about to talk about, especially Justin's assignment, uh, you might uh, you might wanna wait until after you've uh, experienced uh, these movies and television shows themselves. Uh, so Justin, I think it's your turn to start this week since I went last week. So, I believe it is. You wanna tell everybody what your homework assignment was? So, Mine was the, let's see here, 2012 movie
1: Resolution. It is written and directed Oops. by Justin Benson. It's also directed by Aaron Moorhead. It stars Peter Celelia, Vinnie Curran, and Emily Montag. Um, so it's basically a really, really indie small film. One of like uh, Tribeca Film Festival stuff. And so basically it stars uh, a guy named uh, Michael, and his friend Chris is a junkie. Um, he's been really addicted to, I believe it's meth. I think it was meth. Um, mm. It looked like meth. It I looked like We'll find out in the quiz, won't we? Uh-oh. Anyways, so it was meth, and um, he goes and sees his friend. His friend sends him a uh, an email of a picture of him like cranking out and acting crazy in the woods with a dog. So, and then he also sends him a map of where he's located at. So he goes to go visit him to try and clean him up one last time. See if he goes to rehab when he goes there, uh, his friends all shooting guns and being nuts. And he kind of goes there and says, I, I'm, I'm going to give you one last shot to come to rehab. If not, I'm done with you and we're, we're done here. And he says no. So his so Michael and his um, infinite wisdom decides it's a good idea to just instead of taking him to rehab, just uh, handcuffs him to a pipe in the uh, little cabin. And uh, sticks him there and says, "We're gonna be here for a week, and you're gonna you're gonna sober up. And if you don't sober up, um, when you when you're done with that week, we'll see where we're at. But I'm gonna get you cold turkey." Um, during this time, uh, they get visited by a couple of drug dealers um, that they knew from high school, and they basically want to get uh, some drugs from uh, I believe his name was Chris that was holding him for him. And so uh, uh, Michael kind of scares him away and says, don't come back here. We're trying to clean them up and all that stuff. They also get visited by some uh, Native Americans because this cabin is held on Native American ground. And the Native Americans say, you got to get out of here. This, isn't for, this place isn't for you. And they said that uh, he basically goes, I'll pay you money if we can stay here for a week. because I'm trying to just do this and that way we can get out of here. So, OK, so get some money. Throughout this time that this is going on, he finds very strange pictures and very strange uh, videos of stuff that's happened in happened in this cabin. Because next to the cabin is like this old stone house, and next to the stone house is this little shed. It has a bunch of materials like journals and and, and movies and uh, and little reels of tape. And when he's going through them, he notices that there's a lot of stuff going on that is hard to explain. And some of which is some recordings of him and Chris. So he thinks that he's being stalked by someone in the area and they're recording stuff, and it's hard to explain. Um, a bunch of stuff goes on. They He has a computer. When the computer's open, it starts recording directly what they're doing at the time, but then it starts showing them future events of what might happen. And so I guess whatever spirits or things that they're involved with are trying to say we need there to be a completion to this story. So, the like ghost monster video monster basically shows them possible futures to the ending of this story and they try to avoid them. Because apparently, a couple like 30 years ago, a bunch of French people came to the area to try and discover if there were monsters or ghosts or whatever in this area. And apparently, one of them has been like haunting this cabin. And the first thing it shows them is that they're getting beat to death by the drug dealers. So they kind of avoid that situation. They leave before the drug dealers get there. The next thing it was shown to them through a reel of tape is that um, they were going to get killed by some, by the native American people and they would burn down the building. So then they avoid that. So they avoid all those endings. And in the end, when they avoid all of it, uh supposedly some big spirit monster appears and says are you not happy and like they're like we can come up with another ending if you like and then it kind of just cuts from there so mm. it's it's weird um mm. it's not bad um but no, i don't know if, i don't know if i'll remember it a couple of years from now but it wasn't terrible I, I didn't hate it and i was i was hooked the whole time it's very unique well, you could
0: um, remember like the saint of killers. So, I mean, yeah, that or what remember, I ate for yeah. last night. Taco. Right. It was tacos. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, but like, it, it, it's a good story, and I like the inventive nature of it, especially it's, it's a very independent and you know, it's very,
0: um, not just an independent movie, a very independent movie, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Very well, it's, it's very, um, reliance on writing and the writing is not bad and the acting is not terrible sometimes his friend was a little ridiculous the one that was a junk was a little a little ridiculous but in the end he was fine um but i enjoyed it it was kind of a weird ending um kind of a weird overall feel to the movie but it was for it being kind of you know super off the radar i, I didn't really it w- it wasn't bad. Like it was. It was. Mm. It was do you understand was, what happened?
0: What, what do you, What do you think happened? Like, what What do you think the in the movie like actually is?
1: So right? whatever the the force is that wants to create this ending was not happy with their ending, so it it made a different. So like it wanted to kill them to make the ending happen differently. That's what I think happened at the end of the movie.
0: Relatively so close. It wasn't. It, it wasn't. Was close. Yeah. Mostly. That's that's mostly uh, right
1: i think that's correct so what would be the actual
0: no no i think that's right i think there's a little more to it um but i, I don't want to get too into it yet because your next uh your next challenge is going to be a movie that's very similar and overlapping a little bit with this made by the same people uh which i think offers some extra context and information stuff like that that uh, i don't i don't want to blow it yet so i I'll, i'm going to reserve comment until next week's episode But it was it was interesting. I I I didn't dislike it at all.
1: But and I I wasn't bored. But like it was it was just kind of like. There
0: weren't enough people in capes flying around chasing. Yeah, I need more Spider-Man. I
1: need more people, uh, swinging from ceilings and uh, and flying through the air. So if I could have that, if if that's in the next movie, we're good. One hundred percent, we're good. So, anyways, you got quiz questions for me?
0: I do. I do. Uh, okay. Question number one. There's five, five questions. I would really like you to actually do well on one of these. Um, so here's the question. During one of Mike's shopping trips, Chris tries to cut through his handcuffs. What tool did he use and how ev- how effective theoretically do you feel this tool might be for cutting through handcuffs?
1: Uh, it was the uh, part of the ceramic mug and he tried using a Spring from the bed, but he thinks that the bed's made from astronauts. So I think it was part of the mug, wasn't it? I'm pretty sure it's a mug.
0: It was a toothbrush. Um, but you're right about the spring. So I'm gonna go ahead and give you partial credit for that. That was good. Well, I was thinking of a different time. Yeah, I thought it was the second time. specifically toothbrush. That's when he cut his hand. Uh, yeah, I'm thinking yeah. of his toothbrush. Yeah, uh, okay. I'm gonna give you a point to five because I wasn't asking right, for the right, spring, right. but I'm gonna give you credit because that's a that's a good memory. That's good, it's good. Okay. okay, okay. Question number two. Why did Jimi Hendrix die? Because of drugs? No, the correct answer is is because he didn't have Mike Danube in a set of handcuffs to save his life. Sorry. I don't even remember that line at all. Some of us pay attention to movies and some of us don't. I Uh, guess so. Question number three. What did the cultists down by the river tell Mike?
1: That the... Very important message. It was the vessel as to which... Their lord will be arriving soon on planet Earth.
0: Ooh, I'm gonna only something, have to, something along those lines. Like, it I'm... is along those lines, but you missed a couple key components to it. So I'm gonna give you half credit. But it's that the it's that the celestial Messiah will land his vessel before the end of days. So you're, you're you've got the general gist, yeah, but some yeah. of the spec- some, specifics were needed. Yeah, I'll take half. You yeah, get half of that. Okay. Uh, question number four pretty simple one here what did the dude in the winnebago his name is byron uh, do for a living
1: oh no um like what was his profession other than snort cocaine
0: it's not cocaine it was just like red like i don't know wet red plant weed thing was really strange but that's not what i'm talking about like what was his actual profession like his reason for coming to the area archaeologist right that is correct well done excellent googling skills no okay. i just remembered it now i'm just easy. so you're at 1.75 right. okay the final That's more question. than most i know yeah it's actually this is pretty good for you pretty good final question in the movie it suggested that chris the the druggy bad friend did something particularly bad or embarrassing at mike's wedding that mike's wife is still angry about What do you think that might be? Did he uh,
1: break? uh, Did he break a uh, rocking chair antique rocking chair during the reception?
0: Is that it? Is that your final answer? That's my final answer. Oh, you're so close to being right. You got half credit. The correct (laughs) answer is that Chris probably sat in a rickety antique rocking chair at the reception broke said rocking chair and then blamed the breaking of the rock chair rocking chair on mike's 75 pound grandmother i never blamed this lost mike said, and his wife their security bracelet. excuse me sir excuse me sir i can trot out a whole host of, uh, of actual witnesses who have heard you multiple times it. my now dead grandmother as being the only other person who sat in that chair and she's 75 pounds and you're not and uh, you try to make as <laughs> well maybe you're she not. broke it i can totally bring you know what I'm taking the point away. If you're going to be like this, I'm taking the point away. I know. I'm taking the point away. No, no, no. no. I'll agree. I'll agree. I'll agree. Okay. Your final for point five. Your final score is a two point two five out of five. Justin, wonderful job. That's wonderful. really good for me. I'm That's very, very proud good for me.
1: I'd be proud of me too. All right. All right. You ready for yours?
0: What was your challenge? Uh, okay, so Justin wanted me to watch Sword Art Online, uh, which is one of those things called animes which i believe oh. justin very uh, thoroughly and accurately defined earlier in the episode uh when he was talking about castlevania um all right so it's based on a light novel series the same title that's written by reki kawahara and it's illustrated by someone else uh but it was originally released on the tokyo mx network but uh and i i can't even remember where it, where did i watch it where did you tell me to watch it again what
1: was that place it was called uh netflix
0: crunchy no i got on crunchy i think oh yeah, it was, i, I was on netflix, though. oh was it well yeah. that would have been easier uh yeah <laughs> so anyway uh it the the show itself reminds me a lot of like a ready player one um or kiss me first which is another sh- like we've talked both about, about both of those things on yeah the show yeah, before. yeah yeah but it's very similar. So the the basic premise is that there's an MMO called Sword Art Online that's just recently come out of beta testing. Um, And one of the main characters, Kirito, uh, was a beta tester, possibly even earlier than that, maybe even an alpha tester. But um, it's recently come out and it's kind of virtual reality driven, kind of like the way with Ready Player One, people would jack into the Oasis and they would live kind of a more virtual experience. And it's it's kind of like your traditional like World of Warcraft type MMO in the sense that there's like, you know, boars and stuff out there in the wilderness and you go and you and you fight it. There's just no magic, which is sort of unique, Um, but it's all about like the input of your body, like you're inputting the controls of your body in some way. And your brain um, is using the headset to sort of transfer whatever things you were trying to get your body to do so that it actually works in game. Now, here's the twist. And what a twist. Twist. about about 15 minutes into the first episode, I'm wondering, what the hell did I do? What did I do to piss Justin off so much that I'm watching fifteen minutes of a of a show that's about two dudes trying to kill like a level one boar yeah. outside of like Dunmoro's It reminds like me? It like, reminds like, me what of our great watching? times. But here's the twist. When they try to log out, there's no log out button. Oh so they're stuck in virtual reality. But no, that's it's not a problem. It's okay. It's totally fine. Because what if somebody, you know, in their real life just comes and you know wakes them up or something, everything will be fine. And then suddenly everybody who's currently logged into Sword Art Online is teleported to this uh kind of little place, the town of Beginnings area where uh, the GM, this this game master, because this red dome comes over top of this area and then for some strange reason, like bleeds into this giant floating red figure uh, of the creator who's speaking to the actual audience and has decided to create this, this experience that no one can leave. Everyone's trapped in the MMO. And if you die in the MMO, you die in real life. If somebody tries to disconnect you, in, uh, in real life, you die, not just in the MMO, but just you, your brain gets hit with microwaves and your brain's fried and you die. And the only way then for people to get out is if they actually transcend all of the different levels of the game, which is not so much MMOE like this is where it sort of departs a little bit from World of Warcraft, and they defeat the final boss at level 100 the problem is is that like in beta testing people barely got anywhere right and so they actually have to do this and no one at any point was really getting through the first one um so that's the first episode sort of setting up the premise and then second episode sees like people trying to come together like a month later, 2000 people have died already because like all the beta testers went out and kind of found all the choice uh, XP spots and stuff like that. And they left a lot of the beginners, at least that's one of the arguments and they they left these beginners to die because it's kind of a hard game. It's skill based. It's not just, you know, it's just, just hit a button and wait for your, your cooldowns to come back. Like you actually have to, to learn how to properly input the, input the commands. And so then a group comes together because they found the boss. Because not only do you have to actually defeat the boss, you have to find where the boss is. And so they found the first boss, which is like this big old fat cobalt. The biggest fattest cobalt I've ever seen in my life. Um, It's called... That's pretty rad, though. Ilfang the Cobalt Lord, who's protected by a bunch of cobalt sentinels. He's got an axe and a shield, and he's got four health bars. And when the last one turns red, he switches to a curved blade called a Talwar, and he starts to change his attack pattern, and it becomes crazy. Well... They have this little meeting and they're like, hey, we're going to open a raid. I'm like, oh, my God, they're doing a raid. This is ridiculous. Like before they even said the word raid, I'm like, they're doing a raid, aren't they? Uh, And so they get together a raid because they can all go and defeat this monster and, you know, and like ascend ascend to, to level two. And so they do. But in the process, the raid leader gets killed because he was trying to get the last kill because he wanted to get the bonus item that you drop from getting the last attack like the the killing the killing blow, basically the last attack rare item bonus or whatever um, and so then it becomes this big old argument about, oh my gosh, like why didn't the main character Kurito, like why didn't he save him like you knew da 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 and apparently he he went weird all of a sudden. I don't know what the hell happened at that, but he's, anyway, it yeah, so was start, strange it was so strange, basically he's a beater, I don't understand what it means. But whatever, like it was me too. He was like a cheater slash beta tester and they like mixed them together. It's the dumbest sequence. Uh, Episode three is when he uh, he joins a guild, uh, something like the black cat, something or other. Um, And so they um, so they, they talk him. And now he at this point, there's like huge chunks of time between each episode right? Like, like months and years, in fact. And he is super high level at this point. He's like level 48, but he's doing it all solo, right? He's just doing it solo. He is not, he's not joined up with groups. And so, but he, he's sort of feeling this guilt and the final words of the raid leader, like he's trying to protect these people. He's going to go protect them. So he hangs out with this low like mid twenties guild called the moonlit black cats and like, Hey, we're going to be friends. And so he joins the guild, which is uh, crazy. But then, um while the guild leader was going to buy them a house with their virtual currency they decided they were going to go do some leveling up and they're going to get some get some some coin but like some of the other idiots in the guild were like hey let's go to the dungeon and Kuritos like no we probably shouldn't and so they go to the dungeon and they find a secret room then they get beset by all sorts of crazy like rock monsters and like little like dark gnomes and stuff like that with bushy beards and basically kill everybody including the one girl that he had befriended and promised to protect um and then uh he decides that he's going to go fight uh a uh, uh, basically a really mean santa claus because it was the it was you know it was the holiday season and so they were doing their special uh wintervale type uh uh type scenarios and so he kill kills a special boss to get a resurrection thing but the resurrection thing only works if it's that the person's died within the last 10 seconds and so he's just like you know hell with this and then he walks away again cuz he loves walking away all moodily like you know? <laughs> That's sword art online. What do I think of it? Um, it's actually not bad. Uh, I thought. I thought it was pretty interesting. The, it was the Twist is pretty good. I like the story. Um, it's got a lot of the stuff that I, you know, I don't particularly care. just like the aesthetics. It's not it's just not my style. Um, but overall, I, I thought it was pretty interesting. I do I am confused about a few things. They said that you eating in game is not really eating. And yet somehow, these people are still alive I've yeah, thought long about time. that too. And I don't really understand, like, did everyone just, like, hook them up to inter, inter, you know, intervene to stuff? I, I don't know. It's just sort of strange. So there's a long time between things. I don't really understand some of the some of the timing, the patterns of it all. Seems kind of strange. It's overly, like, he's overly emotional at some points, like, where it's just, I don't know, it makes sense. It doesn't make sense. Uh, he was really nice to this one guy on the first day that he went and killed boars with. And, like, apparently that's connected them, which is ridiculous because... I'm sorry, whenever I used to help a newbie, which wasn't very often, it's not like, oh man, uh, send me pictures of your kids when you have them 10 years later. Like we didn't <laughs> connect on that kind of level. So I felt that was a little strange and disingenuous. But um, overall, it's actually not bad. It's pretty interesting. I don't know if I'm gonna keep watching it, uh, just because there's so many other things to watch. Uh, but I did find it interesting. I did find it unique, and I'm kind of curious what's gonna happen. Um, but there's only 24 episodes. There's a beginning, middle, and end. Yeah, there's 25, it says on here, but um, i'm certainly interested in watching it and since the short episodes about 20 to 30 minutes long it really doesn't take too much there is a sequel apparently sword art online Two. so i don't know if i really want to get you invested
1: me once shame
0: on you yeah except now it's it's not an mmo it's a it's a battle royale now see that's all the rage now so (laughs) anyway overall i'd recommend it it's pretty solid um it's pretty interesting it's kind of clever premise i think 25 episodes might be a little long and might make the premise run a little thin i think if you're an mmo player or a former mmo player you might get a little bit more of a kick out of it because you're gonna get a lot of the inside jokes and stuff like that um or the little references here and there uh if you like especially if you're at least if you're a video game player you're probably gonna like it but uh yeah pretty solid not, not that bad uh, like It get started horribly the first 15 minutes i was like i'm gonna beat him to death uh, i'm gonna find <laughs> fine justin i'm gonna get a very heavy shoe and i'm gonna beat him to death uh, but right. uh it got better. It got better. So what do you got sorry for? for
1: your quiz? All right. Yeah. So actually, you got one of them already. The name of the guild. Sweet. Uh, Sweet. Black Cats. Yeah.
0: Yeah. All right. Okay. So
1: how many people died from disconnecting initially? The first group that disconnected like right off the bat. So how many people died? Uh, you mean? From, from people disconnecting. From episode
0: them? one to episode two, right? Yeah. No, not the
1: 2,000 people when he was first talking to them.
0: Okay, and so two hundred and
1: thirteen. believe it was two hundred and did you get nope, two hundred thirteen? Two hundred and
0: thirteen. I just watched it like twenty minutes. Right. Okay, so two hundred thirteen, buddy. Nice I'll try. Maybe yeah, it's well, a translation error. Like a different, like maybe Crunchyroll had a different number than Netflix. Who knows? But it's two hundred thirteen. Yeah, yeah. All right, so I wrote it on. down because I'm like, that's the type of that's the type of quiz question Justin's going to ask
1: me. Yeah, it's like I like the numbers. Uh, yeah. What was the name of the item that he received from the Cobalt King? uh a cloak of midnight god dang it yeah you pay way better attention than i do i
0: do it's really fresh because i actually all three episodes hold on
1: uh the actual translation was a coat of midnight
0: well i mean again what i watched was like i wrote it down so I'm, yeah it's, uh, it's gotta be the i'm the, counting did you yeah, watch
1: the english version or did you watch the sub the I, watched subtitles. I watched
0: subtitles i watched that's the problem that's
1: the disconnect right there okay i watched the uh the the dubs all mm-hmm. right so how many health bars did the boss
0: have the cobalt king I answered that actually already. He had four health, balls, four but health bars. But when one the when the last one turns red, he switches to a curved blade called a talwar and his attack pattern changes. But in the actual fight, <gasps> twist, the fat Cobalt lord actually switched to a nodachi, which wasn't in the beta, and whoa, craziness. So yeah, pretty crazy. Heads. Yeah. That's what
1: happens when you when you don't like watch the uh uh fat boss uh stuff on
0: on yeah. YouTube. All get right. your bo- make sure you update your boss mods before you go you got on it. the raid. Come on. All right. What does the assault team uh
1: what does the assault team have that the other guilds don't? Like they that their guild doesn't have.
0: Oh man. Um because the
1: reason the assault team's going so well. And if you get this, sir, you will get a a solid five for five
0: is like you're talking about the biggest difference between like the guild, the black cat's guild and like the, the salt team, yeah. Willpower. It's uh willpower. the was, biggest difference between them is willpower because the guild, they said their first priority was friend's safety and that's not the case when it comes to the others.
1: Well, the information that I was given was because they have accessed information and that's why that they're doing so well.
0: And they, that's they not true. Happy that actually refers to the idea that the beta testers themselves, um, like, well, there's two things. First of all, there's the beta testers who put together a little guidebook that everyone was supposed to read and apparently everybody did. Then the other thing was information brokers. And so there's information brokers, which the lead guilds aren't, like the lead people aren't the only ones that have it. It's pretty much anybody, but there is a conversation between Carito and the leader of the Black Cats Guild when they say, you know what the difference is between the Black Cats and the lead groups willpower. And like that's literally. It the must word, have been willpower.
1: a translation thing. We gotta make sure we're watching on the same.
0: I don't case. know. I know this is a little strange, but like maybe yeah. But but because they literally it's, it's the same it's, sentence, but he says access information. I don't know. I got willpower. That's like that's literally the quote. Willpower. I'm still gonna go ahead and take my full credit, and uh, just take a take a five. That's fine. You,
1: you think you're five out of five? I out. very clearly. It must have been. There had been some type of weird translation difference.
0: Anyways, I was so Justin. I got a five out of five you got a 2.25 so we're 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 i am normal more point. than more than twice the man that you are twice. sure okay but i'm physically That's how that works right size wise
1: more than twice the man that you are so we'll i hope that. not dude <laughs> god would <laughs> worry for you at that
0: point i ain't the smallest smallest guy in the world all right, all right so i have ready? a
1: list of new challenges for you okay I, I made a list just in case you've seen well
0: mine's stuff. pretty easy so i'll just because i'm gonna give it out it's called the endless which is found on Netflix is by the same folks who did resolution came out more recently. You can get it on Netflix for free. It's also on Amazon. I don't know if you, I think you have to rent it on Amazon, but it's free on Netflix, same world. Okay. Sort of some overlapping themes and, and stuff. So go ahead and watch it. And uh, yeah, we'll talk about that next week.
1: All right. So I got, I'll see if you, I don't know if you've seen any of these. So have you seen black dynamite?
0: Black diamond. What's it about? Black dynamite.
1: Black dynamite. What's is- it about? It is a a satire of a 1970s black exploitation film. Yep, I've seen it.
0: Yep. Okay. Yep. 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 All
1: right. Have you watched the new uh, uh,
0: Nathan Fillion show, The Rookie? I have actually. I've been. Wa- I've watched the first three <laughs> <new laughs> episodes. Yeah. I was like, I'm gonna give it a try, and honestly, it's really not that bad. Like, it's not good, but it's not like terrible it's better than i thought it was gonna be but it's still not i just saw right. and i'm like i want to give me yeah, uh mm-hmm. next
1: and even if you've seen it i think it's been a long time have you ever seen harley davidson and the marlboro men i have yeah yeah
0: i have oh
1: god sorry man i got no life i've watched a lot of stuff all right finally there's no way i don't sleep this. i don't sleep so uh you're gonna watch it's on amazon i believe uh or it's on Hulu because I was going through like, like different things to watch on Hulu, and it was like '90s or '80s retro. It is called Ninja Three: The Domination. So you're gonna have to watch Ninja Three: The Domination. I, if you've
0: seen this, I don't, I'm doing I don't know a quick look because it sounds familiar. Actually, I don't know what else to say. It's a 19, it's a it's it's a 1980s martial arts movie, and I'm looking at it, and it looks familiar. But I can't for the life of me remember what the hell it's about. So I'll go ahead and take it. Ninja wow. 3 The Domination. I think I've seen this.
1: Oh, yeah, watch the, it again.
0: The, the cover, I remember, I think I've rented this way back in the day because I remember seeing the art on like a VHS at some point. So, oh man, what? where did that come from? I was just trying to find stuff and I was going through lists. I'm like, oh, this looks wonderful.
1: This looks great. Yeah. Okay, right. cool. There's I'll it. watch it.
0: Yeah. All yeah.
1: right, so Ninja 3 The Domination. Uh so yeah, that's all I got. I'm glad I had to go through four of those to finally get
0: to one where you get it's just gotta you gotta think think uh, outside the box, you know. You gotta try to a ninja. Maybe not uh maybe you gotta stop doing TV and movies. That's just sort of my jam. That's my jam. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe maybe you gotta do some comics or do some games or something or you know, things yeah, like that. That's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah. So uh, your wife actually had a really good idea for a October themed challenge, but unfortunately she sent it to me on Facebook and I check Facebook once every four years. So I didn't get a message <laughs> until after, <laughs> until after it, but I'm not going to tell you what it is because if we're still doing the podcast a year from now, I'm going to do it next year. It's gonna All right. So it's there. It's there. Okay. okay. So let's close this down. Uh, so if you want to find us on the old interwebs, we are uh, at lollygaggerco.com. Got all of our uh, web on our website. We already have all of our uh, episodes and things like that. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter. At least you can find me on Twitter at Uh Justin does some Twitch streaming. Justin, where, where's uh, what's your Twitch uh, address again?
1: Twitch.tv slash Find me there anytime. Uh, I took the week off, but I'll be getting back to it this week. So, I was really nice taking some sweet naps, do some Call of Duty, some Rainbow Six, some good stuff.
0: I want to go back and just do some data entry and just figure out how many times I've thrown the Twitch channel to you like to give us the plug. And how many times you've actually denied it by saying, I haven't been doing this, or I took this, or I haven't been doing that. I'm just really curious. Let's not do that. I don't want to do that. (laughs) You don't really want to see the results? Nah. Uh, anyhow, if, uh, if you could, if you've got the time, uh, wherever you get our podcast, whether it's iTunes or whether it's, uh, it's Stitcher or some other place, if you wouldn't mind just dropping us a little review, a little rating. It'd be very nice. Uh, if you've got any ideas, cause Justin apparently needs them for really good challenges for one or the other, uh, maybe, uh, put a little, uh, put a little note up on the, the Twitter, uh, or maybe, uh, mention a little something in Justin's, uh, Twitch TV, uh, chat room. Uh, cause, uh, you know, that could work. Um, other than that, you ready to do some thank yous? Yeah. All right. I'm not, but uh, let's do it anyway. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to do it live. I'm going to do it live, Justin. Okay. I want to thank whoever decided to add blue deck slash anti-fun play styles in games. So blue deck for magic or just like anti-fun game styles where it's like somebody does something and then the other person's like, no, 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 no you didn't. You didn't do that. I'm going to take that away from you, uh, which is kind of what blue deck does. Uh, Or like the No Fun Snake from Kemet, where it's just like, you can't actually use the power of the monster. Uh, I just want to thank anybody who came up with that kind of stuff, because it makes me realize that true evil does really exist in the world.
1: I'd like to thank the couch in my man room. Uh, Since I haven't had football all week, I really want to thank you for making these naps extra fantastic. Um, I don't know how I'd do without you. Um, I know I have a wife and everything, but you're a very close second. So thank you, couch in my man room.
0: I'm going to thank Pants because without Pants, uh, everybody would be walking around and we'd see each other's junk and that'd be bad.
1: Finally, I'd like to thank Crystal Light. Um, You make my non-water options just delicious. So thank you so much.